0: Hello and welcome to Myth Mythmakers Myth Makers is the podcast for fantasy fans and fantasy creatives brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. My name is Julia Golding. I'm an author, but I also am the director of the centre. And today I am, can't tell you how delighted I am to have T.A. White with us, who is an author of many absolutely wonderful fantasy series. I'm saying this as a genuine fan, uh, as well as somebody who admires her as another author. So thank you so much, um, Toby, for coming to be with us today. No problem. I'm happy to be here. So, Toby, um, you, are, you sort of stand out to me as a writer because you have written in many genres within fantasy. So perhaps for those who aren't familiar with what you do, we should have a little gallop through your series, just to give us a sense. Um, so where did you start as a writer? What was the first series that you produced? So
1: the first published series is different from the first series I, I started. Um, the first book I wrote I will probably never make it into anybody else's hands except my like friends and family who were around when I wrote it. Um, the first the first published book would have been uh, Dragon Ridden with the Dragon Ridden Chronicles. Uh, it's a very difficult genre to describe because I didn't really obey genre norms, but it's kind of like fantasy with sci-fi elements um, or sci-fi with fantasy elements, depending on who you ask. Um, so that was where I started and I just went off of a dream and it was a very sci-fi-esque dream. Like chapter one went to a different direction, um, which was much more fantasy. Uh, so that's that's where I started, and then because I can't make things easy on myself, I kind of transitioned to like high fantasy with my Pathfinders or the Broken Land series, and then from there I went to urban fantasy to sci-fi, like straight sci-fi. So it's it's. I kind of just write what I want.
0: <laughs> my so the, ur- the urban the urban fantasy series, is that the Eileen Travers series? Yes, the Eileen the Travers is the yeah. urban fantasy,
1: and then the Firebird Chronicles is more of my sci-fi um, with a couple of fantastical elements to it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose an interesting question for anyone who's got their hands on an author to ask them is, Is there a sort of particular thing that started you off as a fantasy writer? I was noticing that you talked on your website about starting writing very young uh, with a partner who then threw her biscuits at you.
1: Is this (laughs) this true? What happened there? Uh, So I was like, that would have been when we lived in North Carolina, but I was like in second, first grade. And I couldn't, I, I had a little, I struggled to learn to read, which meant I struggled to learn to write. And so at that age, like I really wanted to write a ghost story. Um, and I had to partner up with somebody who was a little bit older, like a year or two older than me, because I couldn't do it by myself. And like we did it for a day and a half. And then they were like, I'm bored with this. I don't want to do it. And I got really mad and I, I maybe threw a cookie at her
0: head. Oh, <laughs> I was young. OK, that way you <laughs> And was there a particular book, once you did get into reading, was there a particular book Um, that inspired you to follow your path?
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny because I started wanting to write before I could actually really, like, before I started liking to read. Um, And then Nancy Drew in third grade, the second time around, was the book that got me into reading. Um, But the book that got me into fantasy was uh, Tamara Puris, The Woman Who Walks Like a Man. Um, It's the third in the series, but I was living in, a, in Okinawa because uh, my dad was stationed there and they didn't have the first two books in the series at that library. So I started with the third and it just kind of, it was the first time I realized that fantasy could be like this really fun genre that's about real things, but told in a different way. And that you can have real life problems, but with magic and other things mixed in with it to just make it a little bit more interesting.
0: Is that the Alana uh, series, the yes, uh, yes. Alana Chronicles? Uh, have you read the Kel ones? I have this- Kaladri. Oh, uh, she's my favorite, the protector of the small. Uh, yeah. I
1: actually think I like her a little bit more than Alana because Alana had like magic to fall back on, and she had the goddess to like. She was like kind of a chosen one, but you don't find that out till like the second book, I think. Whereas Kaladri or Kel, uh, she was. She's just a normal person who went after their dream and had to work very, very hard to make that happen. And I really like stories where you have to like, it's not just given to you and you're not just special. You you have to actually work to be the person you want and to achieve your dream. So that's that's like my favorite of her series. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I absolutely love that um, one of the books is all about how to manage a refugee camp for internally displaced people. Right. Yeah, that was one of my favourites too. It's right up my street as a former um, development aid worker. Um, And also it's just such a breath of fresh air after all these big battles things. What happens to the civilians? You know, very, very poignant and they're great books. So another book recommendation for listeners is to go and explore the Mm Tamara Pierce um, back library. Um, so what was your journey to being an actual published author after the biscuit throwing episode?
1: (laughs) Uh, well, it was kind of like a long circuitous journey. Like I, uh, in high school, there was this, we had, where I went to high school, you had a senior thesis project that you had to do to graduate and it had to have a written element. So I decided to write a book and, um, that's the book that nobody will ever see, uh, (laughs) Uh, So I wrote that book and then I went to college for journalism at the Ohio University Script School of Journalism because I figured I could work on my craft while having a full time job. Um, And then I graduated and nobody was hiring. So my mom told me to join the military, which I did, and to do public affairs for them, which I did. So the first time after that was... I was in Afghanistan and it's kind of a situation where you're in a very small area and you can't go anywhere except for um, missions, uh, which I did, but you're stuck in a one place and you don't have the distractions of being in like the United States to take away from your creativity. And there is a point where you don't want to read any more books and you don't want to watch any more TV shows and it had always been my dream to be a writer. So I figured, hey, I'm here for a year, why not write a book? And that's what I did and that's where Dragon Ridden Chronicles came Um, and Pathfinder a little bit. I had the idea for Pathfinder while I was there. And um, actually that probably sparked a lot of the ideas in Pathfinder. Uh, So that was kind of when I started and it took me like a year and a half, two years to get that book like done and edited and to the point where I felt comfortable releasing it to the public.
0: That is absolutely fascinating. That was a brilliant story in itself. And it also explains the Eileen Travers backstory. Um, Yeah,
1: those three years were very instrumental in forming me as a person. Um, So a lot of my books draws from that as like the creative incentive. Cause you went, you go through a lot in a very short period of time and you kind of find out who you are. And then when you have to write these other things that draw on the military, it, it's just a little bit easier. So yeah, <laughs> Aileen, Aileen is like a product of me coming home and some of the anger and upset that I had and how disconnected I felt to being home. Uh, like some of the conversations she has with her mom are things that I've talked with, about other people coming home as a soldier and how people think you have PTSD and everybody's the same. So, yeah, that was a big part of that character and why I wrote
0: her, because it was kind of cathartic. Yeah, and her her experience in the military is brilliantly specific, um, being the sort of the camera person who goes along with the, yeah. um, <laughs> the guys on patrol. And yeah. I did sort of think, oh, this is this is really well researched. And now I know why. You know, yeah, because I, I did. <laughs> I um, didn't
1: do her job. I was more, um, but I, I knew the guys who did her job. Yeah. Like I was public affairs. I did go on the missions, but it wasn't just to take photos. Like I took photos, but it was also to get the story. And so the combat cameras. I had a couple of friends who were combat camera. And that was really fun to talk to them and figure out how that job differed from mine.
0: Yeah, I mean. I think what's really interesting about that experience is most, I would say that all of your heroines have a problem with authority. And (laughs) is that fair? And there's a particular thing with, uh, is it, you call her Aileen or Eileen? I call her Aileen, but I think it's supposed to be (laughs) Eileen. Okay. Um, She, she's, uh, well, it's not not a plot spoiler that she's a a baby vampire, a young vampire. So she has had this past where she already probably was in a, authority structure which she had thought she left finding herself plunged into this one where you have to be a hundred years before you're given you know a chance to go out on your own at all um so uh it makes it makes sense now totally makes
1: sense (laughs) so it's funny you say that because like A lot of people who find out I was in the military are like, I can't see you in the military. And like the first couple of times that happened, I kind of was like, laughed it off. And then finally, I was like, why do people keep saying this to me? Is it because like, I'm a girl? And they're like, no, because you have massive issues with authority. And anytime anybody (laughs) tells you what to do, you like push back. And they're like, we can't see you being in a situation where you follow orders. And it's like, okay, well, there's different sides to me. So and I kind of put that into the books too.
0: Yeah, what I like about the way you do that, um, so it's says, sort of diving across all the heroines now, is that you also point out cleverly how difficult it is to be with that person who is the rebel. Um, yeah. In Aileen's case, it's the, the, you know, she's a difficult person to be a friend with, even though she's yeah. desperately loyal yeah. to who goes to the extreme. But her friend Caroline, um, you know, she's quite blunt with her. It's so you don't make it into the romantic rebel the sort of James Dean thing. It's very much a, here's a square peg in a round hole, you know, bruising a few people as she goes through life. It's no, Mm it's really, uh, I think that's why I like your book so much actually, because often the, the fantasy aspect is a sort of wonderful package around a really interesting set of characters or, or or expressed through them. Um, So that she, she definitely ticks that box. So, do you um is is writing what you do all the time or are you also exploring other forms of creativity or because I think a lot of people who are aspiring writers want to know how do they make it work do you you obviously been in the military but did you yeah. go straight from the military into writing or was there a transition phase
1: no yeah there was a transition phase like i do writing full time now um i'm very lucky in that i can support myself and my family with my writing and just my writing but that was like 5 years in the making like i published dragon ridden um i think in like 2013 2014 and uh i didn't go full time until several several years later and i i worked in marketing for a company um a credit bureau type company And so I did that. And then like on the, in the evenings, like I'd write for an hour and a half, two hours. Like I tried to get a thousand to 2000 words, like a couple of times a week. And then I on the weekends would like write double whatever the week uh, thing was. So uh, I had to, essentially it's like working two jobs But it was what I've always wanted to do do, since I was very small. So I was happy to make the um, sacrifice and I kind of needed a purpose in my life. And I felt like this was what I was put on the planet to do was to tell stories and entertain people and give them a break from all the bad things that might be going on in their life.
0: Yeah, hear, hear. Absolutely. Keep on writing, please. So uh, now on to the fantasy stuff, which is kind of our raison d'etre, really. Um, so, you as just recapping again, you've written in many different um, fantasy and sci-fi subgenres, starting with dragon ridden, the kind of sci-fi fantasy mashup, um, urban fantasy, and so on. I understand that urge to cross genres because that's what I do as a writer as well. But do you are you sort of conscious of different rules in the different genres, or does are you just you just know what you're doing when you're in there are you a sort of visitor who understands the the culture of the place you're in or do you actually set yourself specific rules when you start writing in a different genre
1: so like I'm a fan of all the genres I work in like I read massively in those or I did in those genres um so like with Aileen Travers that's urban fantasy like I read I've read all the urban fantasy genre like authors that are really big in this space, like Patricia Briggs, Alona Andrews, um, and many, many others. So like, I know the genre tropes that come with that. But the fun thing is like when you can reach those fans while bringing something new to the to the table. And I think that's why people like what I do um, is because like, I'm following the genres, but I'm doing it in a way that doesn't necessarily always isn't as widespread as maybe other writers um because I know with like my freeze a lot I get the comment that it's basically urban fantasy in space and it makes sense because like I read a lot of urban fantasy authors um so that aspect kind of has crept into my writing um so I I kind of just concentrate on like one whatever the genre is but when I feel the need to break the rules I I break I I write what I want to read basically and so I try to follow the rules and then like every once in a while I'm like I don't feel like following these rules anymore um I guess that's my my against authority coming coming out so um,
0: yeah so are you a a planner or somebody who feels their way through the plot so when you sit down to write your next uh, let's say it's your next dragon ridden book do you already know what you're going to do in it or is it very much okay I'm going to spend six months with Tate now off I go
1: <laughs> it's a little bit of both like I always start with a plan I don't always stick to the plan and that then me come up with a new plan which during the course of which you're kind of feeling your way in through the book like I know some things and then I have to figure out the rest like uh a like I'm working on the fourth fire book for the series right now. So I, I know several scenes and I know how it's going to end, but I don't always know how those scenes connect. And that's like kind of the thing you figure out. Um, and sometimes like, you know what you want to happen, but you don't know the arc of what happens. And then you have to like, you write and write and write. And then you get to like a certain point where you hit critical mass and then you're like oh that's how that's supposed to go and then you have to go and redo everything um but i don't feel like i could get to that critical mass moment where it's like this epiphany unless i did a lot of like feeling my way through so like like i said i start with a plan and then things go bad and i have to figure out a new plan
0: yeah i've i've had the experience in writing where i had a plan and then my characters misbehave and do something else when i'm writing the scene mid scene right. uh, running off in a completely different direction is that an experience that's familiar
1: oh yes uh that's like pretty much every book at this point like it used to be a lot easier when i first started i was much better at following the plan and then like i think around rules of redemption is when my writing kind of changed and i wrote the book i wanted to write rather than what the book wanted to write um so you just have to be used to throwing things away and being okay when your characters are like, oh yeah, that was a good idea, but we're gonna go do this now. And this is much more interesting. Cause like, I feel that it takes a little bit of effort to get to the really good stuff. And sometimes you have to put out all the junk and then you kind of have to uncover the gems under the junk. So that's, that's kind of how I do, like it's a little bit exploratory with a goal in mind.
0: I'd say that one thing that your books have in common across the all the genres and all the series is and, and get, tell me if I'm wrong, but um usually led by the heroine, um, who is usually usually lovable but difficult. Um and there's often a very slow burn romance. It's not not a romance, it's over in the first book. It builds and builds. Um, do you tell us about your heroines? Do you have some tips for writing characters that aren't like cookie cutouts that actually feel individuals?
1: Uh, so I don't know, like, cause I, I kind of, I, I give them a flaw. Like I, I find the thing that most people would find like super annoying. And then I try to make that thing what is great about them, but it's also like a drawback. Like with Shea, uh, she's the heroine in the Broken Land series Pathfinder. Uh, she, she's really, really good at her job and like we all know this throughout the book but she's also really really bad at communicating with people and you have to be able to communicate with people to get them to do what you want so you can save their lives and not have them go kill themselves on accident um in this world i've created and that like was a big uh issue with her throughout the series and she had to overcome that because you have to give them something internal to overcome to really connect with the reader like and it. I really enjoy uh, people who are flawed, but that flaw is also a strength. Like Shea, as bad as she is with communicating, she's also super stubborn and she will do the things that other people won't because of that,
0: both of those things. So. Yeah, yeah. she also has a a deep desire to teach other people, which kind of conflicts with the being bad at communicating it's it's the kind of fingers burnt situation isn't she she's tried and failed and so she's keeping back
1: um you know i think that's another series starts right i think that's another thing like i always give them a backstory that might be like their inciting incident of why they have this flaw like with shea it's uh she led a mission into the bro like the the outlands Or the badlands that's what it is the badlands sorry um she led a mission into the badlands and a lot of people died during that mission so she's kind of scarred on the inside so you you have to give them like an emotional backstory for people to like relate um and that backstory fuels the events of the book with um kira from the firebird series we see that she was a commander in the military fighting against an alien invasion and almost her entire team dies. And it makes her like kind of curl into like a little ball and shut everybody out for years on end until the events of the series. And you see her start to come out of her shell. Um, You have to have both those things to make the reader feel like they're actually talking to a person or like reading about a person versus something that's 2d and flat.
0: Yeah, what you do as well is you hold back those backstories. <clears throat> you know, another book may start with, you know, the, 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 that as the, the prologue. Um, yeah. But you sometimes keep it back for a long, long time. I wondered in the case of Tate, who is purposely kept sort of amnesiac, basically. Um, when you started writing her, did you know what it was? Or were you also at the same state of not knowing as your character? So I,
1: I knew parts, like I knew she wasn't from the era I was writing in. Mm-hmm. And I knew she'd been in the, the cryos chamber for like centuries slash thousands of years. So I knew that there was like um, a disconnect. I did not know all of the things that came out later. I didn't know the part she played or the fact. And I knew that she had friends she'd left behind in that era. And that's why like the ending, you see one of those friends in the dream um, but like I knew those parts, but I didn't know all of it um so like, like I kind of made things up as I went along
0: yeah and that's the great thing about writing is it's kind of be a discovery process to what your brain is suggesting subconsciously isn't it you know that's fun um you also I've noticed that you use a sense of isolation and loneliness um, as a great starting point for your heroines because usually uh again correct me if i missed one there is a process where your isolated heroin is taken into a new form of family is this again something that felt was a conscious choice or was it something that just felt right
1: yeah um it's a little bit of both like i think the reason that's like a huge theme throughout is because it's something i've suffered from in the past like there have been instances where i felt isolated or cut off from the people around me, and so I've been lucky enough to have people to bring me back into the the, the mix and not let me stay out in the cold. Um, so I think I think that because that's something I really understand, and I've just added it to the writing. So like, um, and they all most of the heroines like have been part of a group at some point and then something has isolated them and then they come back and they learn that you can't really exist by yourself and you have to like put yourself out there and take those chances um I didn't I didn't suffer from anything like that but that's kind of like, like why they usually
0: go in that path um yeah and thinking about this sort of romance aspect which I said is is a you know it's definitely not the sort of um it's a book which you wait a long time for the relationship to build first. Is is there any tips you can give people about writing a slow burn romance from your experience um, of how you do at this?
1: So I
0: don't know if I ever like. So it's really weird. It's not really I... the, let's say it's not romantic in the hearts and flowers way. It's not. It's not yeah. like a, a Notting Hill kind of thing or anything like that. But there is so definitely from... a, attraction.
1: So for me, like a really good story always involves like relationships in some way. And I, I find I like to have them pair up by the end of the series, but the the book is primarily about like whoever the main character is, whether it's Shea or Kira or Tate, Um, though their journey is the focus of the story, but I want those journeys to also incorporate having maybe a romantic partner. Um, So like, that's that i think that's like the biggest uh way i do it is like the story is for instance with um kira it's about finding her friend that's been kidnapped by aliens um and then during the course of that journey she meets on and then eventually they become like he's not going to let her just go and be by herself and kill herself in this miss she's undertaken. So they kind of butt heads and then they kind of come together and realize they're on the same side. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing is like, have to let them come to the realization slowly. And uh, I'm a very slow person when it comes to romance. Like my husband and I dated for like three years before we got married. It was a year before we said we loved each other. Uh, So it's, it's something that I like, I'm not the person who will like, fall in love I might be attracted but I'm gonna take my time getting to the realization and I wanted that to be something that my characters had because um love isn't supposed to be easy it's it's supposed to be a journey and I I think that's what I tried for in my books um mm-hmm. I also don't do like uh trying love triangles because I really yeah. I don't like them I'm like I'm very black and white in my character too. uh once you have someone that's kind of like the only person in our my mind uh and my character's mind so that's why I don't like to do like oh we're to- together we're not together oh we're together we're not together type things.
0: Yeah I think for me um love triangles were kind of spoiled or or exhausted maybe is the word by the, the Twilight books when they were out. Kind of thought oh no, no and there was a lot of other similar books at the time. You thought not another love triangle. So yeah. yeah I'm with you there. So um I actually spenders probably more time listening to your books than I do uh reading them because I find them great for just listening to when I'm doing my dog walks and you know stacking the <laughs> dishwasher and all those sort of household things um so what do you think about the audiobooks and the role they're now playing in bringing you new audiences do and for example do you have a say in who reads them so yes um i
1: Tantor is the one who publishes my audio and I get the final say like they will suggest Narrators for me, like do you like this narrator for this story? And then I have a yes or vote and if I don't like them, they'll go find more um, but I I Have a very confession to make I've never listened except for miss which I produced on my own I've never actually listened to a full book of mine because I find it extremely grating hearing my words read back to me so um I hope they're really good and people have said they are so
0: that no no they are they are they are good yeah yeah no so I think you can be you can rest assured they're they're good ambassadors for your work (laughs) and uh, I do look for even though I've read the books, I still will get the um the audio version just because they're I I think for me listening to audio books I find it hard to listen to I don't know a literary novel or a classic, um, some kind of Dickens or something on audio, but uh, a well-told fantasy novel like yours are just perfect audio listens. They keep you, you know, you can follow the plot and keep you interested. So, um, Also, I, on my read of your website, you mentioned that you have a secret mm-hmm. project. I don't want you, you're obviously, I'm not asking you to divulge what that is, but are we talking about a new series are you starting something entirely new is that what's going on there
1: that's that's yeah I I have like four or five series that have been in my brain for like a couple years now and I'm getting to the point where it's hard to find things to read you want to read is the books in my head um and that's what happened when I wrote Firebird is like I had three series going and I knew I shouldn't do another series and um I couldn't i couldn't resist anymore I, I wrote that book like mostly on the weekend um after i finished whatever the main book was for the week um and i'm getting to the point where i'm starting to want to take time from what i'm working on to to do this new stuff um so yeah there is stuff coming down the pipe and i'm really really excited for it um i'm going back
0: and forth on which one i'm gonna do first
1: but yeah, I'm super,
0: super, super excited. Oh well, that's 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 great. You know, I'll be amongst the customers buying it first, so that's wonderful.
1: <laughs> so,
0: you. one of the things that we do writing courses for people who are um, sort of stretching their wings as fantasy writers, and we spend one at least one of our sessions on world building. So when you do world building are you the kind of person who does the talking thing of spending like ages building a whole world and a map and um I know languages no. and cultures and all that stuff or uh, well you tell us what you do
1: um so i i don't i don't spend a lot of time um on the world building like i will so the place and the setting and the world, I do take time, like with Pathfinders, I knew I wanted like this certain theme of outsiders versus insiders and us versus them. And and I thought how I can demonstrate that to uh, readers. And I knew that there was this tribe called the Tretari who are from this distant lands who are conquering things. And I wanted a clear division between the lowlands and the highlands and the badlands. Um, but that was pretty much the extent like I didn't go through and say, okay, where are the major cities? Like, I know that there's the pathfinders have their own little castle somewhere in the highlands, but everything else is like, okay, I know I want these to be like very small villages that have been isolated from the, rest of the world because of the situation, which you learn about in the books. Um, but I didn't go through and be like, oh, let's go name all of these, these villages, now, before I even start writing, it's kind of something where you you start writing and you're like, okay, well, they have to go to this village to meet these people. So what is village called? What is it? Where is it located? Do they have a goods for the reason for being there? Like you have to have a reason for everything. Like you can't just have somebody go somewhere and be like, very nice. Here's like all these really cool things. They have to have a reason for being there. And for them, it was like trade. Um, And then you kind of start going from there and then religion will come into it sometimes like based off like, okay, do you want religions in here? Okay. What does that religion looks like? What is the world? What are their fears? And then you go from there and you build it. Um, As for the, the language, I kind of just like put syllables together and then that's like whatever the word is. Um, And like, I try to think about, culturally like what is going to be important to this race I'm creating or the species um, and I try to think about those kinds of things um, but yeah
0: thank you and I think that would be a relief to some people who feel like who you know a lot of there are fantasy writers who do it the other way around obviously and spend ages on this And they can be quite daunting if you turn up a writing class and someone says, yes, here's my uh, novel series I've been working on since I was 14. And they speak six languages. And, you know, you don't have to do that, is what you're saying. You can be very successful. I, I,
1: I think it reads, for me, it reads better if you discover the interesting things about your world a little bit organically. Like you should start from a base. You should have an idea of like the topography, like the types of people, like what's important to those people. Um, like if there's a really that in there you can you can kind of think about that beforehand but I prefer to let the the circumstances of the novel dictate what we're talking about like in um, Dragon and Chronicles you have this religion but it's based on ancestor and that's because of uh, the people at the beginning of this world having to make sacrifices and everybody kind of worships those five three or four people um, but they're people, and it's not like, and that's why that that religion has developed that way. I I took the circumstances of the world and then developed something that made sense within the parameter of that world. And I think for me, that's the best way to develop a world. Um, other people will probably tell you something different. I think it differs for every person, but you have to find out what works. Um, for me, organic. Mechanically building the world and making it a little bit more complicated with each book. That's what's really interesting about writing and reading um, fantasy and sci-fi.
0: Yeah, and, and using a character to whom everything is new is a way of using yeah. that as a natural way of showing because they are discovering it too. Um, so you don't get the download of information unnecessarily, you know, the, other, right. the other thought that you can get. Right, well, it's been wonderful talking to you, Toby. And before we let you go back to your writing, hopefully, um, we always end the podcast with "Where in all the fantasy worlds is it best placed for something?" Now, I came to your writing first through the Pathfinder series. In fact, my daughter, who's in her twenties, said to me, "Oh, Mum, you know, we often share book tips." She said, "Oh, I really like this series. I think you'll like it," um, which is true. Um, so we, th- I, th- and uh, Shaya, as you mentioned, is very good at her job of finding a path and she has some maps some annotated Mm -hmm. maps and there's quite a theme about bad maps and her own good maps uh in the books so i thought i'd ask you to pick not your own necessarily though feel free to do so where you think in all the fantasy worlds is the best map
1: uh so i would have trouble like there's so many places you could pick uh i'll I'll stick to my own stuff because i don't want to actually say somebody's name wrong um but i think for my my stuff like pat the pathfinder world would have the best the most interesting maps at least like when you talk about a single planet like firebird that's like a whole but there's star maps um i haven't really investigated the topography and all that stuff for that series but i think uh, the broken lands and the pathfinders have the best type of
0: maps so just coming back on my side, I, I was thinking about this, and um, I think there's, I have to mention, of course, a, a sort of honourable mention to um, the Marauders map, of which is obviously a map of one building in Harry Potter, but that yes. a sort of magic map that moves. Uh, that would be really cool. <laughs> and then there's, of course, the iconic maps. And I think if we go iconic, it's got to be the one in The Hobbit um with the dragon flying and and the moon letters uh, that are hidden yeah that would if i was to pick somebody else it's always going to
1: be like hobbit and tolkien yeah. and that world because like he he put so much thought into it um i don't really know too many other like there are other authors who have put that much thought but like i feel like he's went above <laughs> what
0: everybody <Other> else. beyond. <laughs> yeah, yeah thank you so much for spending some time with us and uh, we'll be putting a link to your website in the show notes so people can go and if they haven't yet had the delight of reading your series go and find your books Um, and there's a brief description of each series on your website so people will find which one they want urban fantasy or uh, whatever anyway so thank you very much and thank uh, you for having me it's a pleasure
1: Thanks for listening to MythMakers Podcast, brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. Visit OxfordCentreForFantasy.org to join in the fun. Find out about our online courses, in-person stays in Oxford, plus visit our shop for great gifts. Tell a friend and subscribe wherever you find your favourite podcasts worldwide.